True Multifamily is an On Air Brands production and a proud member of the On Air Brands Network. Hey there, entrepreneurs. Eric Cabral here, founder of On Air Brands and host of the Entrepreneur Circle and Capital Hacking. I wanted to share something truly unique with you that we've created called Pod Max, which is an amazing opportunity to connect you with major podcasts to help you share your fascinating stories with their communities. This unique invitation-only event includes interviews with you on top-rated business podcasts all in one day. It also provides a unique networking opportunity with high-performance guests and thought leaders who are authors, coaches and consultants, investors, speakers, executives, you name it. These are the type of people that you need to be around. We also provide industry expert keynotes to hit our stage to share insights on podcasting, investing, marketing to help you take things to the next level. And the cool thing about Podmax is that it has a multimedia agency engine behind it with on-air brands to provide social media promotions before and after the event to share your brand new shows with your network. So hit the apply now button at podmax.co and I hope to see you at the next Podmax event. This is True Multifamily, the show where we dive in on what really happens after closing a multifamily property. We're going to expose the role of asset manager. That's a person who has a responsibility of seeing the vision, executing the plan, and managing people, budgets, and timelines, all to deliver returns for our investors. These are the real struggles, the real victories, and the real stories of asset management. Welcome back to another episode of True Multifamily. I am so excited to have Mike Bonnetys back in the studio. Mike, thanks for coming back, man. Appreciate it, Justin. Loved the first time recording with you. Had to do it a second. Oh, man. We're going to get into a really good one today. Um, I, if you guys missed Mike's episode, uh, go back and listen to that one. You can also find Mike's bio on our website, truemultifamily.show. All of his social media links are up there and uh, get a real sense of what Mike is up to. Really, really impressive story. But Mike, let's jump right in because today we want to talk about turning a property from a D class to a C class and everything that's involved in that, uh, mostly and including tenants. Absolutely. It's a, uh, it's something to do. Like when you're an investor you put all this stuff on a spreadsheet, you're like, yeah, we're going to turn around this building. It's going to make X more dollars. You're going to increase the rent by this much. And then executing it is so different than putting it on a spreadsheet. And, um, you know, my own assets that I own. And then as a property manager, I have a decent amount of experience doing in working in D and C neighborhoods. And so uh, I've had some experience trying to turn a D asset into a C asset. And it's, it's not the easiest thing. Yeah, ab- absolutely. I do a lot of that as well. And that's really the point of this show is to dive in on the, the execution side, because like you said, uh, anyone can really put together a really nice spreadsheet that shows we're going to turn this many units a month and, and these many tenants are coming in and occupancy is going up and collections and all the great stuff. Uh, but then there's this reality aspect of it, uh, because you're dealing with real people, tenants, leases, um, concerns, problems, questions, maintenance requests. Like there's all these things that, that go into the bigger picture that you really can't um, always account for in a spreadsheet. Um, so why don't we start first a little definition for, for me, uh, for you. Um, what is a, a D-class asset and what is a C-class asset? Yeah, and I, I know, I think there's a technical definition out there. I want to hear age, yours. I want yours. I'm going to yeah. give you a D-class yeah, yeah. name. Tell, me, tell me your D-class <laughs> asset. So D-class neighborhood, uh, a D-class asset is a asset in a very um, a very poor part of town. When I say poor, I mean uh, a lot of crime, a lot of problem, poor economy, and or just poor income. 
Um, uh, usually, I refer to assets, uh, whether D, C, B, or A, by the tenant profile that's inside them. So, a D asset, in my opinion, is going to have tenants that have that have committed, are committing crimes. Uh, they have landlord-tenant issues. They go to court often. They don't pay their rent on time or at all. Um, so those are D. C is uh, a step up above that where uh, you may have some rent issues, but you tend to not have, the, the crime problems tend to be at a much less frequency. Um, you don't have to worry about the condition of the property when the crime is being committed. Um, and uh, uh, they tend to have more income. Uh, the rap sheets aren't as long and, and they do, uh, they might be late on rent, but they generally uh, pay it and the evictions are uh, less frequent. Um, so, and to also put it into context, uh, context with crime, uh, usually with D class assets, we have crime being committed at the property, uh, in some capacity, uh, or the tenant uh, could be hostile in some way while C, uh, the crime is being committed off the, the property if there is crime at all. So again, strange definition, but Actually, I really like it, um, and and it's something that as an asset manager, I think about for all the assets I manage. Like where uh, crime is, crime is a big deal, not just for the returns. As you know, most people think, oh, I own a property that has crime in it, but really the overall community aspect of of the property, and uh, that's something that I really try to focus on is is how do we get rid of the crime in a property? Because I, I have owned and, and managed properties that have had crime when we took over. And it, it is not as easy as flipping a switch to to get those the, the problem tenants out and to reduce the crime. And it's something that I think um, anyone that sort of plays in that lower C type space or the D space um, is going to have to deal with because it, it is probably one of my biggest challenges, actually. It, yeah, and it's a... It's a challenge that is very easy to underestimate um, what the blowback is and how to uh, uh, properly underwrite for it. Um, if you want, I can dive right into the asset. Please tell me. Tell yeah, me. So, so we're talking about a sixplex here, yes? Yes. We're talking about a sixplex in, uh, um, I'll give the city out too. It's Salem City, which All if right. anybody has been in that area, it's uh, um, a little bit more rural, but crime and, and, and um, economic uh, uh, depression is still present in the city. Um, uh, the sixplex, uh, was, it, it can be very easily a C-class asset. It, the, the bones are quite good. Uh, and if you rehab the units, you have great unit counts and, and structure to the, the building to make, um, to make it appealing for most families. You've got three ones and one ones, uh, that are present inside, uh, the building. Uh, why is that good? Uh, why do we like three ones? Three ones because you, most of the time you have stable uh, tenants, uh, okay. your families. And, and that's, that's a great draw, uh, or that's a great way to create stability, uh, in, in the asset. Um, and, uh, Meaning families don't move out as much. So you're probably going to have a longer term tenant. Bingo. Hit it. Um, now the problem with this asset was, uh, the tenant demographic. Um, so we had, uh, dog fighters, oh. uh, we've got pimps, and uh, uh, a few other uh, uh, tenants that are uh, committing crimes uh, um, in, uh, in the unit and uh, or in their in the, on their properties, and so this, we're going to name the show "Dogfighters, Pimps, and Crime." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All um, right, you got the, you hit the trifecta here with this one. <laughs> yes. Um, what makes it even more challenging, so is that is these tenants are all paying tenants. 
So, oh, which normally you would think, great, my tenants are paying on time and they're paying their rent. That's excellent. But in this case, you're saying that's not such a good thing. Exactly. So uh, we reside in a highly regulated state, New Jersey. Um, and if you maybe you're in Alabama or like somewhere in the Midwest, this wouldn't be an, this would be almost a non-issue because you could probably just evict them for. Uh, or get stop the lease and get them out. In, in New Jersey, uh, A, you can't even, if your lease ends, uh, you, that is not a reason to remove a tenant from the property. You have to have one of 16 reasons uh, in the state of New Jersey. And any of the crimes I just mentioned are not one of them. Uh, <laughs> all right, all right. Now I'm a landlord in New Jersey, so I know a bit about this as well. And this is why I buy properties out of side of New Jersey lately. Um, so, New Jersey is notoriously uh, tenant friendly. And so what you're saying is that even though these tenants are, are dogfighters, pimps and criminals, your words, um, they you can't evict them for that. Correct. Because they're paying their rent still. Now, you'd think in theory you could say, OK, let's you know, they're clearly committing crimes, um, so we should be able to remove them. But that, that's not exactly how the law works out here. And so you have to kind of look realistically, how can we get these tenants out? And um, by the way, at the end of this, I'm not going to have a good solution. It's an open ended question. Okay, good. We, um, like we like those. Uh, so you, the, let's go. Let's go with like the more physical crimes or even or, or any of these crimes. Right. You have to a. You, you would have to show uh, that they are committing uh, these crimes in some capacity. So you have to prove it. You have to prove it in some way. And, and that proving it means with, with either some form of arrest uh, or uh, a conviction. And then you may be able to evict on those grounds. If you're just saying, well, I think they're, you know, he's fight, you know, being a dogfighter. I think he's a pimp. Uh, then uh, th this, this, it, it won't sat like that can't satisfy uh, the eviction requirements. Um, what you would, hope for is you could anonymously uh, provide tips to the authorities. They could come into the property, possibly make an arrest. During the time of the arrest, the tenant wouldn't be able to, to pay, and then you could evict on non-payment. That's probably the easiest path forward. Um, but doing that is a challenge because you're probably, if I'm in a D, if I have a D asset, the town might not care enough. Right to come out there and do anything about the crime. Right. So yeah, that, yeah. that might, that adds to challenges and, uh, 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 getting, getting them removed, uh, is not easy. Uh, uh, even if the lease were to end because you'd have to offer another lease, at least in New Jersey, you have to offer a second lease, uh, once your lease runs out and you can change the terms. Um, and you could try to change the terms so that they are so arduous that the tenant does not want to stay. What's that, an example of that? Increasing the rent okay. a lot or changing how they have to do payments mm -hmm. or restricting, um, let's say that they're smoking, you know, say that they can no longer smoke or something right. like that. But then uh, you still face the potential blowback uh, if they were to sa if they were savvy enough to go to court because the court's going to say, well, you can change the lease, but it has to be within reason right. to their previous lease. Right. So you can't take up the lease a hundred percent and be like, Oh yeah, now I'm charging you double. Like they're going to just say, no, you can charge a maximum of 10% more. Right. And do you accept those terms? You know, Mr. And Mrs. Tenant. And if they accept those terms, Hey, they're staying for another year. Right. Right. <laughs> so okay. these all present challenges. Yeah. These, you've got a list of challenges here. So uh, what have you tried? 
this first off, this is still an ongoing open issue you're dealing with, and um, you've come come to me for some advice and guidance. Is that that's what? Yes, I have. This is, this is true multifamily therapy edition, <laughs> um, and hopefully, hopefully that uh, I can offer some solutions, and hopefully, uh, I like this format actually. I like that idea. Maybe we can work this in in the future. Um, but also, if you're listening and and you have your own idea, please uh, join the discussion on the Facebook page. Just search True Multifamily on Facebook uh, because Mike will be there, and I would love to get some outside perspective on on the challenges that Mike is facing here. So, so Mike, a few things that I've done on some properties with challenges, with, with crime uh, challenges. And I don't think I've, I haven't explicitly had your, the trifecta as, as you're having here, but uh, we have had some properties that have some serious issues. Now, the ones that I'm talking about are generally much larger, the smallest being a 40, um, one instance, a 222 unit. What we do is we will offer a, a discount for a police officer to move in. Okay. Mm. Call it a courtesy officer. And so, um, in one of our properties, uh, we have actually two, oh, it's, it's sort of like a very, very long property. There's, a, there's, there's, um, 20 plus buildings. And so on one building at the front of the property and at one building at the end of the property, we offer discounted rent to the local police department. And so these guys are happy. Well, I think we offer half price rent. So they're happy to get half price rent and stay there. And what they, the requirements are, they have to um, bring their, their cruiser home. So there's a cop car there at the property and they have to walk and do a report on a daily basis. And it's a very simple report. It's not a thing too, too crazy. It's a, it's a one sheet of paper and they just have to walk or cruise the property and say, Hey, I looked at this. I looked at that. I looked at this. No issues, no issues, you know, no new cars that are abandoned or, or anything like that. And, um, we get that, we get the report on a daily basis. And so I put one at the front and one at the back of the property. And, uh, it, it actually has, has reduced a lot of, uh, the crime that we've been seeing at the property. You guys can't see my face, but my face is lighting up right now. I'm like, that's a really good idea. Yeah, right. I love it. Um, another thing that, that we've done is I don't know how well lit this property is, but people that are doing these types of crimes generally don't like to do them in, in places that are well lit. And so in, uh, one of my properties, I cut down all the trees that were blocking the the big floodlights on the property and I put in some high powered bulbs and this place is lit up like a football field at night and you can see there's no more dark corners there. And guess what? The people that like to do things in dark corners, they've found, they moved on to go find some different dark corners and uh, that's, that's fine with me. And so when, as soon as I did that, cutting down the trees that were blocking and putting in new bulbs, we had, we had four uh, people drop off the keys and walk out the door and that's just fine with me. Right. Those aren't the type of people that uh, we want hanging around. Absolutely. Those are both fantastic ideas. Yeah. Um, I know that you also brought up offline is cash for keys. Yes. Uh, which is uh, another method. Um, and I think it's it's not only important to mention this, but also mention the underwriting that's involved uh, uh, when you have to do cash for keys, which is uh, for anybody who doesn't know, cash for keys is giving money to tenants to say, hey, here's 500 bucks or a thousand bucks. Um, see you later. So it's basically a buyout, right? You're, you're saying you're going to sign this that says your lease is over. Yeah, you have no more claim to this this unit at this property. I'm going to give you some some money, and you're going to walk away, and I'm going to walk away. Exactly. Um, and but you need to write that into the underwriting that you're going to be giving out money uh, uh, to get these tenants out. Um, the other element, because because if you're not, you're setting yourself up for failure. Yeah. Um, and I think the other element from underwriting is for any of these things that we've just mentioned here, or uh, uh, or any of these methods to get them out, or if you just know that you're going to have problematic tenants, 
you, you need to have that initially in your underwriting to know how long you're going to be bleeding cash for or how long your financial burden may be troublesome to handle. Uh, if you do not, you're setting yourself up for failure. Absolutely. Because if you don't have those cash for keys uh, built in or some of these other methods in there and you want your property manager to do the normal strategies to get tenants out, you may be looking at a year. Yeah. Two years to get some of these tenants out. Maybe, maybe it's impossible uh, to get some of these D-class tenants out, uh, and that's going to be preventative to turning it to a C-class. Because as we spoke before, um, I've got three ones in this one unit uh, uh, down here in Salem. That's a family unit. Yeah. What families are going to come in and move when uh, you know next door neighbors turning <laughs> tricks? <laughs> uh, yeah. No. It's a it's a valid point, and that's something that we see on on all of our assets is that you have to, it's, it's almost impossible to go in and rip out a one type of tenant base and put in a higher quality tenant base uh, because um, reputation and, and community feel. And a, a tenant, even if everything looks great online, if you've got the best looking unit and it's a great price, you know, they, they walk in the, in the door and they don't feel safe because something's going on in the, the hallway or they see some sketchy folks in the parking lot. They may not even come in. They're not, they're like, I can't, I can't live here. I can't be around this. I can't put my kids around this. And that's a very real thing that uh, you have to factor in. So, you know, like you said, they're to go the normal eviction route, especially in New Jersey, you're talking months, maybe more, maybe years. Um, because I've have found that the, the more the tenants getting away with, uh, I like living in this place where they shouldn't be or whatever, the more they know the landlord tenant laws and they know what they can get away with. And, and they take advantage of, of owners in, in that way. And so you've got to be ready for that with some other creative solutions. And there's also a, a very business um, realistic situation here where some of these tenants that may be committing crime, that's their place of business. Right. And they know they've been doing this business for a while. You know what's bad for business? Moving locations. Yeah. <laughs> Especially yeah. when it's steady. Yeah. So you, you better believe they're going to fight right. to stay there. Right. Um, so but you know what else is bad for business? A police cruiser parked out front and a whole bunch of new lights, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so those are great non-traditional solves that are outside of the normal eviction process, which right. I think you're hitting the nail on the point on this. I mean, that that's what you have to bake into. To you got to be creative. And yeah, to your point, right. So so when I'm working with, with the underwriters on this, if, if I know that I've got to... Um, get some unsavory tenants out and I've got to start giving away some, some units at either reduced or free rent, which it might be worth giving a, giving a police officer a free rent just so that they come in quickly and, and are happy to do it. I've got to bake that in. Now I can absorb that on my 200 unit a heck of a lot easier than I can on a six unit, right? Cause that's a major, major cut loss. However, might be, if you ran the numbers, I would say it probably would be still cheaper to get, uh, to lose one unit, let's say to a, a free police officer. Um, and now you've got five units that you can start fresh and rebuild in that better community. And by the way, families are probably going to be pretty excited about having a police officer parking there every single night. Right. Well lit and all that. So you, you very quickly done that. And then a year comes up and by the way, with courtesy officer, it's a month to month thing. Mm -hmm. So you don't have to uh, get stuck in for a year. But let's say a year goes by, you've worked on the other five units. Now you've got your last unit you can go in. And now you're probably in a year from now, your property's in a much better place than if you had struggled through eviction, evicting those tenants out for a year. Absolutely. That is brilliant solutions. I'm writing down notes, guys, yeah, yeah. by the way. So this is actually Justin's show. He's, uh, there you go. He, he's teaching me a lot here. Hey, on the show. hey that's, that's what we're here. We're here to help each other. Um, true multifamily therapy. I love it. So, uh, you know, I think a lot of lessons are learned here. And again, your key point on 
you know, underwriting and execution, they have to match. And um, that's one thing, whenever I work with underwriters on a new asset we're getting involved in, I want to, I want to look at the re reality, the re how realistic is this plan? You know, you can't turn 80 units in a month, right? Everyone knows that. But then there's these other things that, no, it's like turning a cruise ship around in a lot of cases. And, <laughs> and you can't just, you know, pull the parking brake and flip around like uh, fast and furious. You, you got to take some steps and, and go slowly. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's a, um, a, a, there's this allure with, with the units uh, for new investors because the acquisition price is so low. And I think it's important to hit for them to hear all this because there's a reason the acquisition price is so low. I mean, you're going to be running into these problems for the next two years. So your upfront acquisition price might be very cheap. Right. But your long-term uh, cost of doing business is going to be much higher than probably. Month after month after month. Exactly. Legal fees, eviction fees, court fees, all that other stuff that, that factors into it. Um, so you're absolutely right. Um, D, D class assets, you know, while they look great, you might get a nice purchase price. It's going to be a lot of work, work. And, and, you know, the way you're doing it and, and the way I'm doing it, and a lot of people out there listening, it's a business and you've got to run it like a business. And, um, if it's a hobby for you, probably, or, or a side gig, probably getting into a D class asset is, is not, not a great first step. No, not at all. <laughs> well, uh, Mike, this was excellent. I love this story. Hopefully we got some, some good solutions for you here. And if you guys have other solutions for Mike on this sixplex and, uh, getting out some of these, these problem tenants, please, please leave us uh, a comment on the Facebook page and Mike will be up there chatting with you guys. Um, in the meantime, follow us on social, uh, Facebook, Instagram, just search true multifamily uh, with that, leave us a rating and review. We love to hear from you guys. I hope you are enjoying this as much as I am. Thank you so much. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to another episode. Check out our website at truemultifamily.show. And if you have an amazing story to tell, share it on our Facebook community, and you might just be the next guest on the show. We're also on all other social networks. Just search True Multifamily. I'm really, really proud to have this show produced by our company, On Air Brands. Check us out at onairbrands.com. We also have an incredible, unique podcasting event that we would love for you to be a part of. Check that out at podmax.co.